So welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. I talk to them about how they got started, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. This week's show, delighted to be joined by Jeff Zombach. Jeff is a treasurer and CFO, so he's worked right the way across finance, great career throughout a number of treasury areas, so AIG, WP Carey, Paramount, and we'll talk through about Jeff's career up to now. As always, I'll get Jeff to do the talking rather than me. We'll follow him on. Jeff, I'm going to go straight back to you. You originally started with EY, or Ernst Young at the time, back in the 80s. Give us a sort of whistle-stop tour of the early part of your career, and then let's walk through, if you will, and then talk about Treasury and you know your love of it, as it, as it were. Over to you, sir. Sure. Thanks, Mike. Well, I started my career at Arthur Young. It was the big eight at the time. Now it's the big four. I was an accounting major at Binghamton University in Western New York. And I was actually recruited on campus during my senior year for an accounting position. I think one of the first steps in my career that early on was actually getting my CPA license. I think that even though I ended up in the treasury field, Getting started in accounting, you know, was a great stepping stone for me. And a lot of people ask me, you know, an accountant could change their career path down the road. And as you know, as we go into my career, you'll see that the answer is definitely yes. So, so I started at Arthur Young, now Ernst and Young. I spent about two and a half years there, got my CPA license, but just public accounting just wasn't for me. And that's when I moved over to AIG and spent the next 20 years of my career at AIG. And for those listeners that don't know AIG, you know, I do and a number of people will, but what is AIG? AIG is one of the largest insurance companies in the world. It started in Asia and you know, is, is, a, is a global company. Uh, most people know AIG because of the financial crisis in 2008, 2009, and the company was eventually taken over by the government. And AIG was the subject of the, you know, too big to fail. But you know, it, it employed thousands and thousands of people across the country. So most people have heard of AIG, even though it's, it's now a you know, scaled down sized company because it had to sell a lot of its companies to pay back the government, which it did in full. So I spent the first five years of my career at AIG in internal audit. So I actually continued the path of, you know, in the accounting related uh, field of auditing before I started my treasury career, because I really felt that I still liked, I wanted to understand operations better and um, internal controls. So I was in the financial services division of the internal audit department for five years. And I really got to, to sit down with the presidents of various subsidiaries of the company and, you know, from real estate to investments and all the different, you know, uh, credit financing and learn about their operations and, you know, write reports about, you know, what were their internal controls regarding, you know, their operations in general. And it was, it was a very good experience. I liked it a lot more, really getting a chance to, to understand the operational side of the business. And that was the time, Mike, when I decided that I really wanted to continue my education and I pursued an MBA. I got an MBA at Fordham University in New York City in corporate finance. And that was really the springboard to my career in treasury. 
it opened up the door for me to apply for an internal promotion at AIG into the treasury department. And so after my fifth year at internal audit, I became the manager of the treasury operations group at AIG and spent the next 15 years at AIG working my way up to becoming the director of treasury operations. And what was it like culturally wise, you know, because a lot of people, you know, back in, you know, that was sort of 05 to 2009, well, in fact, from earlier from there, what, what was it like as a leading treasury area within New York and, you know, everyone looking to you guys? Yeah, I mean, it was the, the interesting thing about AIG was that even though it had, you know, tens of thousands of employees, the departments were actually quite small. So it felt like you were working for a separate company within an enormous company. So you, you got great benefits from working there, but you still felt you were you were in a small setting because you know you could be in a department with only 15 people, for example. So the culture was very good. It was a it was definitely a quality of life type of job. It was it, I wouldn't say nine to five, but the expectations for most of the corporate departments was a quality of life job, you know, go home, see your kids, you know, go to your, you know, kids uh, after school activities, etc. So I think that the biggest break for me in the treasury department was when we needed to put in tre- a treasury workstation, uh, or I'm sure most of your listeners know TMS, hmm. a treasury management system, but we needed something. We, you know, this is a company with subsidiaries all over the world, all over Europe, all over Asia, all over the United States. And the company was acquiring various companies left and right, and that were unrelated to the insurance industry. So, you know, when I got there, we had acquired an aircraft leasing company, uh, a financial products, trading companies, the other life companies. Uh, so, so we needed a system. We had no idea in corporate treasury how to manage our cash without having a system in place. And, and as some of your listeners may not know, is an insurance company is regulated. So you can't commingle cash between, you know, the insur- the life insurance companies, the property and casualty insurance companies, or the, the non-insurance related companies. So there is a concept we use called pooling, and uh, we would we would almost be like an internal bank. We would have one bank account, and then we would have a hundred sub accounts for each, let's say, life insurance company it would have its own sub account. Mm-hmm. So the bank only knew there was one account, but we had to manage a hundred different balances for a hundred different subsidiaries, and that's why we needed a treasury workstation. So I, I led a team that. It was a pretty large team. It had about four or five consultants. We used a company a system called Wall Street Systems. Wall Street Suite was their like Cadillac system, and it, it was a two-year implementation. You know, design and implementation it was extremely successful. And I ended up traveling to Europe and to Asia to actually train and implement the system so that we could decentralize a little bit but have control in, in New York of the corporate cash. We could forecast the cash, et cetera. It was a great experience for me at that time in my career. I was in Singapore, Taipei, and Hong Kong. I was in the UK you know, and across different parts of the United States. So that was a really interesting part for me. And you were in that role 05 to 09. And as a lot of listeners will know, and 
you know, certainly you know, older listeners like us, like you and I. Oh, eight, the financial crisis was hitting. How was that? And, you know, you put in place this workstation, obviously great timing. You know, how did you guys cope with that? It was very difficult because the the company was under, you know, the scrutiny of the government. Uh, we were led by our CFO at the time. We formed a project to implement SAP, which is a, an accounting hmm. system, an ERP. And I was actually pulled, that was the point I was pulled off of the treasury function in corporate treasury to be joined onto this team that would implement this SAP system. So you had the leaders from all the different groups in different accounting, receivables, treasury, and we formed sort of like a, a working team to implement SAP. But at that point in time, uh, as we got closer to 2008, 2009, the, we had no job security anymore. So it was, it was crazy because people were told that there were going to be massive layoffs and there was really, you know, I was there for almost 20 years and I had no more job security than somebody that was there for six months. Wow. So I actually, that's when I actually started looking around, you know, during the height of the financial crisis, I was recruited by a headhunter to, to go to WP Carry. So it was really, uh, it was, I was very lucky to be honest at that time, but because of my background, I was a great fit there. And you say that to, to WP Carry Real Estate Investment Trust or right, you know, especially again for the, some listeners know it very well, but many won't. So explain for them, you know, what the role was and what they did. Yeah. So one of the things I would say is, is that I guess a point that's worth saying over and over is that a treasurer is a, a corporate finance professional. Hmm. So I feel that a treasurer could go to any industry, any sector and be successful. So here I am, someone that was in the insurance business for 20 years, but I would not consider myself an insurance expert. I didn't sell insurance. And mm. as I spent the next 10 plus years in the real estate sector, I certainly know real estate very, very well, but I'm not on the acquisition side. I'm still in the corporate finance function. Yeah, you're, but I think with all treasurers, your corporate financiers, risk managers, directors, cash managers, your treasury management system experts and that's the thing i find amazing the breadth of the 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 work you guys do you know we had our zoom call yesterday with with a load of people so just to explain and just again for the listeners and i think someone like jeff embodies real treasury that treasuries all those different things and there are a load of just straight banking guys who are banking treasury guys and they are cash management experts to the you know the top of that t and they're amazing whereas you know, Jeff will know cash management, will know capital markets, will know derivatives. And that's why I find it incredible, you know, the work good. you guys do. Yeah, good point. Uh, at AIG, for example, <laughs> the treasury function was so large that it was split in half. So there right. were people wow. that worked only on the credit side, the banking side, and there were other people like myself who worked strictly on the cash management and operations side you know, executing wires, focusing on the cash positions. Uh, when I went to WP Carry, and so to answer your question, WP Carry is a triple net a leasing REIT. So it's a real estate investment trust. And a real estate investment trust, think of it as individuals or institutions that can't afford to buy or don't want to buy real estate themselves can buy shares of a company if it's publicly traded 
and they'll have a share and all those funds are accumulated and the cash is managed. And then when an investment opportunity comes along, the REIT will actually buy the property and then either manage it themselves or outsource the management of the property. So there's, there could be thousands of shareholders that you know own shares of the REIT. So in a sense, you own little pieces of each of the buildings, but yeah. the company has the right to, to manage, you know, buy or sell whatever properties they want as long as it's listed in the prospectus. So I needed the, the company, WP Carry, when I got there, it was the treasury function was run by a, a senior accountant and I find that in, in my experience now that that seems to be the case in a lot of companies. Mm. And uh, the, one of the, the um, insights that I have where I think there's, there's a, it's a little bit of a problem, to be honest, where you, you know, accountants are a huge, important function in any company, but a lot of people that have accounting backgrounds that don't have treasury experience are missing a lot of the skills that are needed to properly manage the liquidity of the company, to working with all the different aspects. And I'll go through a, a number of examples with you. So when I, when I got to WP Carry, the company had, I think, 40% of its revenue, still probably has in that range, 40% of its revenue in euro, but pays a dividend in US dollars. Mm. So there was a, a currency risk because if the euro weakened significantly, it wouldn't have enough cash when it converted the euro into, into dollars to pay its dividend. So I, I realized, I recognized that, and I went to my boss, who is a CFO, and explained that there was some risk exposure there. And I proposed a hedging policy, which was approved by the board, and it was immediately approved. And we started putting forward contracts onto the, you know, uh, executing forward contracts. So for your listeners that don't know, a uh, forward contract is a derivative and we would call a bank like, you know, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, JP Morgan, just to name a few. And we would agree to sell our euro on the forward market three months out, six months out, nine months out, whatever we wanted. And we would get, we would lock in a rate to get the dollars. So at the time that I was doing that, Greece was actually threatening to leave the Eurozone. This is in the early 2000s. And people didn't know if there, what was going to happen to the Euro. So there was a big risk. So I was locking in selling the Euro at about 145, 147, 148. And we had contracts going out over five years with the banks. And it was a good thing because the Euro weakened. It went down to almost par. So it went down to like, you know, under 110. And WP Carry ended up with significant unrealized gains on its books from the foreign currency. Now, it's, it wasn't a, a, an action taken by the treasurer to make money. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was to manage risk. So the way I view it is if I hadn't um, executed those forward contracts, the company would have lost a significant amount of money if it was just selling its euro on the spot market when it needed to. So there's a lot of functions that I started to learn at WP Carry because now I was responsible for the credit side of the business and the operation side of the business. And I started just um, developing banking relationships and lending. So I got involved with the company's credit facility and putting a facility together. Do you want me to go into detail about what a credit facility is for some of your listeners that may not know? 
No, I think I think I think it's more that you know again a lot of the guys and I was going to ask a bit more about you sort of quite a relatively small team or team two direct reports six indirect around it. You know, it was more the the sort of what you're like when you're managing those guys in a very highly complex function, which it was. You know, you know, big numbers and you know, big complexity of treasury. You know, what are you like as a boss? You know, what are you, you know, how are you mentoring those guys? Yeah, I'm very, I consider myself a teacher when I'm working. I like to explain things. I like to, I'm a very uh, relaxed personality. And I feel that if you spend the time up front with the, the staff, that they understand why they're doing what they're doing, not just executing and doing something. So there's a lot less errors and a lot more productivity when you explain things up front. Uh, to staff. So that's the, that's the way I kind of manage people. I'm very hands-off when I feel confident that my staff knows uh, exactly what they're doing and I can back off from, from them. I'll leave them alone and because you did that role and then because I was keen to sort of and we'll come back to the people aspect because Jeff mentioned before the we spoke today that you know he lectures and he you know sort of coaches people which I think is a good thing for people to sort of tap into and you know I want to come back to that point you then you were there for sort of six or so years, and then she'd had AIG, great, you know, WB Paramount Group. Paramount Group Inc. is another real estate investment trust that only acquires Trophy A office towers in three markets, primarily New York City, San Francisco, and Washington D.C. Oh wow! Okay, so this was continuation, really. Yeah, it was a, it was an opportunity for me to to go in and build a treasury function that didn't exist there. When I got there, there was a cash manager that was there for, I believe, or, you know, close to 30 years and everything was done with Excel spreadsheets. So it was a, it was a challenge when I first got there to automate everything and put a treasury system in place because it was hard to follow everything that, you know, someone had done manually for, yeah. for that long period of time. But uh, we, we put a, a system in place there as well and manage the cash. You know, the, the, the other thing that is important at WP Carry and also at Paramount Group was to make better use of the idle cash and, you know, the liquidity. You know, a lot of the bankers are, char- are, are giving the company a certain rate, or maybe it's not a preferred rate of, it, of interest on their deposits. But if you ask for a higher rate and you'll get at least to market or higher, especially if you're giving that bank a, a lot of fee-based business, and that makes the bankers happy. So, you know, it, it, at WP Carry, for example, the Treasury Department uh, that I led, we increased the um, interest income by close to $2 million a year. And at WP Carry, it was a couple hundred, um, I'm sorry, at Paramount Group, it was a couple hundred thousand dollars yeah. a year, which is kind of low hanging fruit for a, a treasurer type of you know, function to do that. And then you stayed within real estate and then another role sort of thing, or just give us a quick sort of run through from WB Carry to now, because then I sort of, obviously the world of real estate has changed. <laughs> Certainly in the, I mean, this current market, you know, I'm just talking to people that say the world of offices and everything else will never go back to being the same. So perhaps give us a, a quick overview, if you would, of that. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. I think that a lot of people have figured out how to work from home or work remotely, or maybe aren't going to go into the office five days a week anymore, maybe three days or two days or zero. I think a lot of companies may downsize their, their office space 
you know, in big cities as a result, you know, it's going to be a challenge to, you know, real estate companies as to how to ha- handle, you know, their vacancies or do they can, you know, do they convert from office space to uh, maybe residential? Huh. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to say what's going to happen, but I think that a lot of real estate companies are going to be hurting at least for the, the short term, you know, because of COVID. But I believe that in the long term, I think real estate is, you know, always a great investment. And I think that the good real estate companies are going to figure out maybe there will be, you know, more mergers or acquisitions uh, between companies as a result, you know, a lot of companies that don't think they can make it may sell some of their strongest assets for cash uh, to get them through a, a certain period. Hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot of properties potentially being sold to larger you know, real estate firms. And without this being a complete advert fest for Jeff, but we can make it a little bit like that. So you then moved on from Paramount. You had a more recent role. What I wanted to do was perhaps get you to describe you know, with you and, you know, what you're looking for, you know, with your background, Jeff, because you got AIG, so you've got your insurance and stuff, but it's not that. It's more, you've got your treasury background. You're a, you know, a global treasurer. What would you say you're looking for in your your career now? And, you know, if people are listening in, and we've had this before with people have been, people have heard the podcast, HR directors go, oh, actually, can we speak to that guy? Talk us about what you, you know, you love about treasury and what you're looking for in the next sort of moves as it were. I thank you. I, I consider myself a builder. I, I love the treasury function. I'm passionate about it. I'm looking for a really, you know, dynamic challenge, you know, a company that uh, in any sector really that's looking to grow, but realizes that it really needs a, a good treasurer and an infrastructure in order to allow for that growth. You know, someone that is going to be you know, the head of the, the corporate finance function that's going to understand the need to manage risk and, you know, the liquidity of the company, but be part of the senior team. And that's really what I'm looking for is that kind of a, a strategic role at a, at a company that's looking to, to grow. And with yourself, you manage teams. And if we go back to AIG, you, you, you had a team of 20, you know, now and, you know, right the way through to managing yourself and a couple of guys. You know, I wanted to, you know, bounce back into that, uh, you know, the way that you are as a coach. And can you perhaps describe again, you, you said that you were doing, you do some coaching or teaching. To perhaps explain that to some of the listeners. I spent a number of, taking a number of trips to my alma mater, Binghamton University. I worked with the business students. I worked with the dean of the business school. I, I join a networking event every year where we, we work with students on the, the concept of, of networking, building out their network. It's, it's a lot of career education. You know, there's accounting majors who want to go into a different field. Uh, I usually go up there and spend an extra day on my own. And I, I work with students on their resumes, on interviewing skills, and, you know, just talk to them about, you know, what to expect in the professional environment. A lot of them don't really have that experience. They've only been in a classroom. So that sort of leads to how I work with people in my, that I supervise hmm. um, and try to really you know, patiently explain uh, to them what their job is, what their responsibilities are, 
and, and to be a really good communicator. I think that most good managers at any level are good communicators and you have to set expectations so they can be met. And the expectation is that the person that works for you should also become a good communicator and be able to explain to you if we're running into delays, not just missed deadlines for that matter. And if you drill that down into the treasury teams that you've coached, managed, supervised, and everything else, and look at those guys, you know, what would you say, you know, you're in your next role, you're sort of assessing the team, if you like, what are you looking for from them? What's the, what's your checklist? I think the first thing I'm looking for is integrity. I think it's one of the critical things for any treasury professional. You know, I like someone that thinks on their feet, you know, that can, that doesn't just want to come in every day and just have the same exact routine day after day. You know, in the treasury field, you have to be able to um, analyze things and, you know, just be on your toes and not just be a, a person that processes things. It's a little bit about relationships. I try to grow the, my, my team professionally by giving them exposure to the bankers and to establish banking relationships, which is critical in the treasury function. Mm. You know, the bankers, you need a banker that's going to be there for you when times are tough. You know, when there's a depression, you need a banker that's going to say, we're still here for you. And trust me, I've had experiences where bankers were there for us at any time when we needed them. And then there's times when company doesn't, you know, doesn't have that relationship and the bankers won't be there for them. So, mm-hmm. uh, and again, we've talked about TMSs, we talked about different things, automation and everything else. So it's not, not sort of a moving down that route, but more, where do you see Treasury going? You know, where, what are the key things that you see coming at you down the road? You know, we talk sometimes, you know, when we go to conferences and stuff and we get CFOs and it seems that they get all these different blockchain and all these different things. And they they grab you as the treasurer and they sort of hold you out as like their shield and go, Jeff, you sort it out, will you? Or, or can you assess it for us? How do you feel about that sort of stuff? Is that the, the main things coming to you? Or what, what are the main things that you think, are, you know, treasurers having to deal with? You know, I think that more and more the, the treasurers, you know, have to deal with more of the finance functions. It's not so much where it used to be just cash management. You know, people associated the word treasury with cash management. I think where treasury has evolved is that, you know, it's now it's now more like more important to, to have strong banking relationships, to be able to have experience raising capital, to understand the capital markets, that type of uh, responsibility is much more critical now for a treasurer or someone that's, you know, a treasury manager who aspires to become an assistant treasurer or treasurer is to really get focused on the banking relationships, the lending function, and really understanding cash forecasting, for example, the the it's critical, especially as companies are growing. But you know, the trend I'm starting to see in, in the treasury field is that a lot of companies, the CFO is the entitled, the treasurer, doesn't always understand the treasury function. So you know, you, you may be called you know, the head of treasury or you know, the director of treasury, but the function still exists. You're still being relied upon to manage all the treasury functions. You know, I think that there are companies that are outsourcing the treasury function, and there's companies that are using accountants for the treasury function. But I, th- I see it as a big mistake in both cases because 
even if you outsource the treasury function, there's no learning curve there. You know, you, you, your company's not, is going to be reliant upon people that work for a different company and there's going to be turnover there. So they don't really understand completely your business and your operations. And, and one of the things, I, I'll give you an example at WP Carry, when I put a treasury workstation in and I was able to forecast the cash, I invited the heads of investments, asset management, accounting, legal tax into a meeting weekly to discuss cash forecasting and how I can help them with the information. They liked those meetings so much, they invited two or three people on their staff to come. And next thing I knew, there were 25 people every week coming into a meeting to talk about cash forecasting because the data is only as good coming out as it is that you get coming into the, into the system. So we were able to close deals. The, you know, the head of investments was, was closing deals and winning deals because he knew that we, we had the cash to close the deal because of the forecasting. Huh. So I think that having the function internal is, is critical. And I think that it's a mistake a lot of companies make it. And as we approach the end of today's show, Jeff, we sort of, as we do each week, we sort of ask our guests to sort of, again, we, we said before the show, we get different people listening. You know, we get everyone from a treasury analyst, you know, early stages of their career, they're perhaps studying AFP or, you know, ACT in the UK and things like that, through to treasurers. Thinking about maybe those groups or throughout them, what are the three, you know, two or three tips you would give those people when they're thinking about it? We've, I mean, we touched on integrity, bouncing around, relationship building, but what are the ones that just sort of immediately jump out to you? And that's how that last, you know, that sort of teaching and relationship building within Treasury out within the company, that's definitely worked for you. But what other things would you say to people? I think the first thing for more, uh, you know, younger treasury associate that's really starting their career, the advice I would give would be to attend as many treasuries conferences and seminars as they could, you know, whether it's the AFP, the New York Cash Exchange is a big, there's a big one in New York City, I'm sure other cities as well. And to learn about as much as they can about the, all the different aspects of treasury from OFAC or EBAM or just, you know, the, the general concepts of, of cash liquidity and forecasting. And then to always ask a lot of questions of their senior, uh, you know, supervisors and not just process transactions, but understand why they're doing what they're doing. As far as other treasurers or other, you know, assistant treasurers, the advice I would give to them would be, to strive to become a treasurer, to, to establish really good banking relationships, to continuously ask for more responsibility on the job, you know, to, you know, and to work hard and to understand that, you know, if the Fed closes at, you know, let's say 6 p.m. Eastern time, is that's not when you walk out the door? And to communicate, I think, to communicate with the heads of other the other leads of other departments is a really critical to the success. You have to understand what's going on with the head of the tax department, what's going on with the, head of the, the chief accounting officer, and uh, you know the head of even the, the head of uh, legal or risk and compliance, and and just being a, a, a full member of that of that team. Brilliant. I think it's great. I think, as you say, and it also crosses over with some of the things you said about even the earlier stage guys in their career. I think, you know, throughout there, there's, you know, go to the conference and network, 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 get, which gives you a greater understanding across the breadth of treasury, which then leads on to great relationships, 
And then you know, it means that you've got that sort of internal network that's going to help your own success as well. Yeah. The, the one other example I'll give you is I, I had a, a, a person that worked for me at WP Carry. Uh, she had about five years of experience already when I hired her. And she was fantastic. I mean, she was a top treasury analyst, senior treasury analyst. She worked closely with the investment team. She was extremely reliable. She understood why the investment officer needed what she needed. And she worked really hard. And then one day that investment officer came into my office and said, I'd like to hire this person from you, transfer her to work for me. And it became a great opportunity and she's very successful now working, you know, in the investment side. So she moved from you know, back office slash middle office to now front office. Yeah. So I think there's opportunities there as well. If you really listen and help uh, the people that, you know, that need to understand the cash. Look after them. Amazing. Jeff, amazing today. What we'll do is we'll put your LinkedIn uh, profile in our show notes so people can connect to you and um, if it's worth connecting, vice versa. Thanks for your time today. You know, Again, connect to Jeff if it's a good thing to do, and we'll definitely. And again, we'll we'll talk. To, you know, Jeff will be uh, showing up in a, an amazing treasury team very soon, or leading it very soon. Thank you very much, sir. Okay, thanks, Mike. Appreciate your time as well.